Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I'm determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is someone we all need. We have Pamela Salzman, who is the author of a brand new book, Quicker Than Quick Cookbook. She's a certified holistic health counselor and a full-time cooking instructor. She lives in Manhattan Beach, California with her family. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled. We were talking right before starting and you know, a lot of us need you right now. There's been a lot of being home, trying to come up with meals, trying to be inventive, trying to be creative, but of course still trying to be healthy at the same time. And the other thing that's been super interesting is that many of us who were maybe ordering out a lot or on the go or having business dinners or meeting, you know, in restaurants, well, all that stopped during COVID and quarantine. And you were sort of left to to walk back into that kitchen, which many people had forgotten about. So I think this is such an important topic. Tell us a little bit about how you got into food and maybe even how you got into more of the holistic aspect of food. I would love to hear your story. Thank you. I mean, you know, I think if you grow up the way I grew up, the food thing kind of came very naturally to me. I grew up with parents who are Italian. My father grew up on a farm in Italy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he was just always promoting food that was whole, you know, natural, not, you know, organic, not fast food. We weren't even allowed to eat fast food. Wow. Yeah. And which was unusual for, for back then. I mean, obviously my mother still tried to do things that were a little more American just so that we wouldn't feel like we were different. Left out. Totally. But I mean, I just grew up with these big Italian dinners, et cetera, all homemade stuff. And I really appreciated that way of eating. And then when I was out on my own in college, I started, you know, eating a little bit more of the junk food. And then I realized Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel good. And so I made that connection between what I ate and how I felt. And I really liked cooking. I really liked experimenting with different ingredients. My mom cooked mostly Italian food. And so when I was growing up, I would ask her sometimes like, Hey, would you mind if I made like pepper steak. And she'd be like, great, go ahead. I mean, she was working mm-hmm. with three kids. Right. So yeah. I just started cooking when I was in college, I cooked for all my friends. And then fast forward, I was, you know, a mom and I just didn't find it that difficult to cook for my friends and family. And all my friends wanted to know how I did it. And they wanted my recipes and they wanted me to teach them. And so I just was asked to teach a bunch of moms a cooking class. And my business literally exploded from that first class, which was about 12 years ago. 
We all need you. That's for sure. I joke about my cooking style. My husband cooks as well. And he's this very immaculate cook and everything. He'll cook one thing, but that one thing is like amazing and has so much flavor and all that other stuff. I'll cook 12 things. Like at one time, I've got four burners going, two ovens, and they're all kind of average or semi-average, quite (laughs) honestly. So I'm the messiest quick cook that you can imagine. And that's the only way I know how to do it to kind of stay in the world of being healthy and trying to feed the family. So what, but when I talk to my friends, I remember before COVID, I would talk to a lot of my friends and we'd go to, you know, maybe a dinner party, but they would again, order the food out. They were so intimidated of going into the kitchen again, busy women, you know, they've got a lot on their plates. They've got literally a lot on their minds, you know, and just a lot going on, but the kitchen was like this, you know, terrorist sort of zone. It's so scary to go in there. It's so scary to touch any or do anything. Where does that come from? And do you think this entire quarantine and pandemic may have flipped it or changed yeah. that where, yeah. where it's like working out, like you just kind of have to do it. And the more you do it, it becomes a habit, you know? You know, because a lot of people haven't nailed it the way you just did. I mean, so to answer the first part, I think if you don't grow up seeing somebody cook, you don't learn, right? So my girls, I haven't really even necessarily taught them how to cook. I've got three kids, but I've got two older ones and they've picked it up. They have seen me cook. They sort of, it was like almost understood, like this is what you're going to end up doing. You're going to cook for yourselves. So if you didn't grow up that way, if you didn't have anybody show you how, it does seem like it's really hard to do. It does seem like it's intimidating. It doesn't feel like it would come naturally to you. And then there's also, I think there are different, like you said, there are different styles to approaching cooking. So there are people that are like, they're perfectionists. And Mm -hmm. everything has to be at like a certain level for them, no matter what they do. And so they get intimidated by the fact that like, well, I can't possibly do what's in my vision of what it should be. So I'm not even going to try because Mm -hmm. I can't do anything Mm -hmm. that's like half. So I think that's just a combination of different factors. Um, And then there's also a different approach, which is, or a different thought, which is like, you know what, I've got so many different types of eaters in my family. I, I, it's really difficult to come up with that meal that everybody is going to like. And now I've got allergies on top of that. And so I do feel like people are contending with a lot of challenges. So it's not just even about, I don't have the skills. It's about, I've got two picky eaters. My husband's doing whole 30. I'm trying to be vegan. You know, I don't even know what to make. And we also have what I call decision overload, where it's like, there's just so many options. And yeah. And that just sh- sort of shuts us down. So well, how do you, how do you deal with just that? Like, how do you, cause I feel like I get that sometimes. Like I've made decisions all day long. I cannot now make decisions about food. Like I'm done. I'm tired, you know? Right. So how do we get over that? And how do we get over that hump of like all these different, like my son and I are gluten-free quite honestly, my daughter and husband really need to be dairy free, you know, and probably my husband honestly needs to be vegetarian. And so how do we navigate 
all of that. And that's what gets so overwhelming. When it's, I it is overwhelming. Patients, I know? mean, it is overwhelming. And I'll be yeah. honest with you. I cook for a living and sometimes it can be overwhelming for me because my husband just went mostly plant-based. My son mm-hmm. is not, he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. I like to eat a certain way. Also, I like to eat a little bit lighter than everybody mm-hmm. else. So it can be a bit challenging. Same thing when I have friends over for dinner, I've got gluten-free people, vegan people. It can be very challenging. Yep. But what I think if you don't mind my pointing out the way you asked that question. Yeah, go for it. And <laughs> I've made a lot of decisions all day long. I don't want to make the decision about dinner. Well, right. that's because you shouldn't be making decisions about dinner at the end of the day. Mm, so true. So yeah. We really need to be in a, especially when it is more challenging or rather when you have more challenges about that decision-making, we need to have time. We need to be in a space where we can kind of tap into our brain that hasn't been already tapped. So I like to make those decisions like on a Saturday morning when I'm relaxed. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. a binder and I teach this to all my students. I teach classes, obviously. That's my full-time job. And I teach a lot of online classes as well. Mm -hmm. So I teach my students to have a binder. Put your greatest hits in there. Photocopy your favorite recipes from your cookbooks. Tear things out of magazines. And start this binder so that when it's time for you to put together your meal plan for the week, because nobody, not even people that do this for a living should be trying to figure out what they're making for dinner at five o'clock on a Tuesday. It should be done in advance. And what I think we sort of touched on it, and I'm sure we'll go into this more, what COVID has helped people do is to figure out what that plan is for the week and then shop once. Hmm. We're not to the market every single right. day. We have right. to be a little, or at least we didn't ha- in the beginning, we had to be a little bit more strategic. So it meant that people were starting to plan. And that's what I felt was a really good feedback from a lot of my students who have been trying to get to meal plan for years and years. And they're like, okay, I finally did it because I had to. And you're right. It's game changing mm-hmm. because look at you, look at what you're doing and look what a lot of your listeners are doing. They've got big jobs. Right. And when you have that dinner cloud over your head from the time you wake up in the morning until the time you finish your work, it's nagging at you. It's taking away from your productivity. It's taking your brain away from other things that you're really supposed to be focusing on. And you're thinking, should I call my husband or my partner? Or should I ask my kids what they want? Or maybe I should have defrosted that chicken. Or if only I had that extra head of broccoli, then I could make this. Right. It should not be that way. Well, let me tell you what happened. And and I'm sure a lot of other women feel this way too. So, you know, there was a phase and I did this probably for years. And quite honestly, I burned out is probably the best way to describe it. But every Saturday I would plan the week's menu. And then every Sunday I would spend literally four hours in the kitchen on a Sunday packing, making, pre-making breakfast, you know, packing everyone's lunches, you know, at least halfway, like the salads were kind of halfway done. Everything was halfway there. And then getting at least three dinner meals ready to go. So that like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even kind of going into Thursday, we were sort of set. And the only next day to worry about was Friday. And I did that for a really long time. And I think I just burned out and I started dreading Sunday. And I'm like, oh, it's Sunday. I'm going to have to be in the pit. So what is like, I still, after that, after I kind of let that go, and then we started having a little bit more health, at home and things like that, which is 
which is fine, but I still believe in like our energy and cooking, right? Like putting your own energy and your own spirit in it. So even that to me, wasn't really a solution. I still haven't a hundred percent mastered how to not get burned out by doing the four hour cooking stint, but also not to have last minute panic as you brought up in terms of like, okay, what's for dinner, you know, and I have this amazing husband and he's really been jumping in and, and participating, which has helped. But how would you tell all of us you know, to balance and master it where we don't like start dreading a Sunday or start dreading a Saturday or some of these days where we're trying to get it all done. Well, I think that there's a couple of things is number one, I do recommend something called outsourcing, which Mm -hmm. is seeing what you can get other people to do for you, whether it's asking your butcher to, you know, chop up the whatever for you or the fishmonger to shell the shrimp or asking Mm -hmm. the produce guy to, you know, cut your butternut squash for you, whatever. But also I recently, I've been busier and busier and I've recently trained my husband to do a couple of things in the kitchen. I said, Mm -hmm. you know what? I work just as hard as you. And even though it does come more easily to me in terms of the, the cooking stuff, that doesn't mean that I couldn't benefit from a little extra help from you. So Mm -hmm. I have actually trained him to do a few more things or just have time with me in the kitchen where the two of us can talk and have a little bit of that one-on-one time with each other where I'm in the kitchen and then it doesn't feel like I'm everybody's slave, right? Right. Enjoy each other's company. I've taught my kids how to make certain things, whether it's flipping pancakes or teaching them how to wash lettuce or whatever. So I feel like it's become, and especially during COVID, we Mm -hmm. really all participated together. So that's one thing is really just getting people to help you out. And then number two, I feel like, you know what? do the best that you can with the resources that you have or put in what you want. So I do a little bit of meal prep on a Sunday. I'm not willing to do four hours of it. I'm willing to start (laughs) off and Mm -hmm. say to myself, you know what, see what you can get done in one hour. And then sometimes I can get done a lot. And then sometimes I'm still feeling like motivated or I found Mm -hmm. something on TV or I'm listening to a podcast. And then I keep going for another half an hour. You know what, while I'm here, let me just do a little bit more salad dressing and chop up whatever. So I also think it's identifying the right recipes. So that's where I'm kind of in this camp of like, it is a hundred percent possible to make healthy, yummy food that's quick. And so I've really been relying on my book a lot because even though I can cook things that are a little bit more entailed, I don't always want to. Well, I think we all need your book for sure. And I'm definitely going to (laughs) be looking for my copy of it, but let's talk about organization in general and cooking during the quarantine. Uh, What are some general rules that you recommend for everybody when it comes to organizing your kitchen so that it's easy to cook for a family, easy to cook for that couple or, you know, guests coming over, you know, how would you, like, if you had to lay it out for us, like kind of like I lay out a treatment plan, how would you lay out the kitchen for us so that it's, it's very quick to do like you're talking about? Well, I think you, you touched on it already that you have to be organized. So you, you know, your kitchen needs to be, cause I actually teach in home kitchens. I don't teach in mm. commercial spaces. So I have seen okay. it all. I yeah. have seen the cluttered kitchen. I've seen the very well edited kitchen. I've been in small ones, big ones, and truly the, the ones that are just more streamlined where you've got space and 
you just have what you need as opposed to too much of everything. Those are the mm-hmm. kitchens where you can really flow more easily and where the knives are sharp. Not necessarily that it's the $1,000 knife from Japan, but just a very sharp knife and having just what you need. That to me is the best. I also have systems that I try and teach my students. So for example, every day on a Friday afternoon, I give a quick scan of what's already in my fridge and my freezer. And I do that every week so that it's again, just a 15 minute thing. Anything that needs to get used up gets pulled to the front. Saturday morning, I make my meal plan for the week and I notice what needs to get used up first in my meal plan. And so I'm also really a big proponent of not wasting food. I use my freezer really, really efficiently. That is not Mm -hmm. a graveyard for me. Mm -hmm. It's not where I put things because I don't know what to do with them. It's because maybe I intended to make a double batch of salad dressing and freeze one. It's where I intended to make a double batch of soup and freeze it. I label every Thing with painter's tape. So that way mm-hmm. everybody knows what's there. And again, I scan my freezer and sometimes I just challenge myself. Let's see if I can use one thing in the freezer this week, two things in the freezer. Same thing goes for the pantry. I have a list of my favorite pantry staples that I am always, always having on hand. I can do a lot of things with olive oil, onions, and garlic. If I don't have those things, my recipes become more challenging. So I make sure that those are always things I have on hand as well as spices, canned beans. Mm -hmm. We really like legumes. We also like canned fish because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's difficult with protein. So those things are just like the quick little proteins that I can add on at the last minute to like a salad or, you know, a a stir fry. Um, Canned jarred tomatoes, like glass jarred tomatoes, I can really make good use of. So again, just having those basics plus then you can fill in with lemons and um, other fresh vegetables. And I am a huge fan of frozen vegetables. I think Mm -hmm. they are the busy parent, cook, whatever's best friend. And as long as you know how to treat them, as long as you know how to use them, I think they can make life really, really easy. So I love that. So having the right oils, having the right spices, having some frozen veggies uh, what else would you maybe put on that list of, of everyone picking that they should have on hand all the time? Oil, spices, veggies, what, what else? Yeah, canned fish, jarred tomatoes. Fish. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it also just depends on what kind of an eater you are. Cause I yeah. do so many yeah. different styles. I mean, we do eat uh, a little bit of animal protein. We especially mm-hmm. eat fish. Right. I think frozen fish is a godsend. It is mm-hmm. easy to defrost. It's so fast to make on a weeknight or yep. even just to make for friends. So I always have a freezer full of frozen fish. I mean, but you can freeze anything. One thing that I was doing during the quarantine was we don't eat a ton of chicken, but I will have it. So I would buy value packs of it and then freeze, you know, one and a half pound quantities at once. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like having the frozen protein on hand is just, again, something that makes things really, really easy. And I also use a lot of riced vegetables. So I have lots of riced um, cauliflower. broccoli rice on hand. So that's also... What do you do with that? What do you do with cauliflower rice and broccoli rice and all that other stuff? What are you you doing with all that stuff? (laughs) I talk about my life in terms of like life before cauliflower rice and life Uh after cauliflower rice. It's a game changer for me. I put frozen cauliflower rice or fresh in when I make oatmeal. You Mm -hmm. don't even taste it. I put it in smoothies. When I make rice, white rice, I add it to the rice so that I can kind of... Oh, wow. 
out. That's a great and then, hack. Oh yeah. my gosh, chorizoto. Yeah. I uh-huh. add it to soups. I do just stir fries with cauliflower rice, but I also rice other vegetables too. I yeah. rice broccoli stems, sweet potatoes, and then you can just do these quick stir fries, almost like if you were making a fried rice, but you can use all, all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or you can huh. do a combination of like lentils and cauliflower rice, or maybe you have a little bit of rice and you need to stretch it somehow. And then you could use like mostly cauliflower rice, or I can add it to um, quinoa. I just did a salad um, recently in my online class where I had a little bit of farro because I don't Mm -hmm. like to eat too many carbs, but Mm -hmm. eliminate them. Right. Then the base of the salad was all cauliflower rice plus riced red cabbage. Yum. And then there was like a sprinkling of farro, but you're wow. eating this and you have this mouthfeel like you're eating a total grain salad. Yeah. Cool. How on do you rice? And on and on. I know. How do you rice the vegetables? What do you use to rice the vegetables? So I've, I've come to just buy like frozen cauliflower rice from Costco and just okay. have that. Okay. So you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the rest of the veggies you have to, because yeah. nobody makes them. So right. cut the pieces of veggies into like two inch chunks and yeah. you throw them in your food processor and you pulse them. Okay. Gotcha. So you just pulse until it gets to be the right size. But okay, I've, so yeah. go ahead. Sorry, go no, ahead. I was going to say, but I've even done um, these sweet potato patties in my new book yeah. where I've gotten the sweet potatoes to be so, so, so fine and it's raw. And then you uh-huh. have these sweet potato patties and they cook in like five minutes. It's the fastest, easiest thing. Oh my gosh, I need to try this stuff. Yeah. So here's our other issue, clutter. Um, yeah. Because we do cook, we have, let's see, what's on the counter right now? I wish I, could, I should run upstairs and show it to you. But we've got the Vitamix, the rice cooker, the mini food processor, a panini press, and a coffee maker, coffee grinder. Like there's all this stuff right on our counter. And it's part of it's because, you know, we also like my mother-in-law lives here. So she wants smaller gadgets because she can't lift the heavier ones and things like that. But if you had to narrow it down to three gadgets that we need to make quick meals, what would you say? I mean, I have all the gadgets too. I just don't, they don't take up prime real estate in my kitchen. Right. Where do you put them? So in my, my garage is off my kitchen. So I have a shelving unit in my garage where I keep Uh the ones, the stuff that I don't use all the time. And then some stuff is in my pantry too. So the food processor is my favorite tool. I use it so much and it takes a very important spot in my kitchen. That's very easy to access. I also love my Vitamix that stays Mm -hmm. out all the time. And the reason it stays out all the time is because my son drinks a smoothie every single morning. So why bother putting that away? We don't drink coffee. So that gets put in the garage. And if we have friends come over, or if my husband just like once every two months decides he wants a cup of coffee, we'll pull that out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually use my toaster oven a lot, not just for mm. toast. I use it also for making small amounts of things. So if we're reheating something for one of the kids, or if I just have an eight by eight baking dish or something in a nine inch pie plate, or I'm making six muffins or a mm-hmm. very small little tray of cookies, I'll use my toaster oven because it heats up more quickly. It takes up less energy. And, you know, especially if I've got other stuff in the oven, then I can use that really efficiently. 
So food processor, toaster, oven, Vitamix. It sounds like those are your top three. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Top three. I love it. So what? Uh, let's talk a little bit. We haven't talked enough really about COVID mm-hmm. and your immune system. I know, again, yeah. a lot of people are cooking. They're getting in there. There's also been the excessive baking. Thank you. To, thanks to my I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to for sure baking. touch on that. And the sugar, like leaving these things out and about, and I don't want to take it away from her, right? Because she's having fun with it. But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, what do we do with all the baking and what is the best way to handle COVID and your immune system and all that other good stuff? (laughs) Well, I was actually going to mention that once I saw, you know, banana bread all over the place, I'm like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's kind of like inflammation, right? Where it's not just about, you know, once in a while throwing some kale into your body. It's not just once in a while having some healthy food. There's a lot of negative that can happen to your immune system and your body with a lot of those bad foods. And I I don't even like to use the word bad, but sugar is, it's, it's, it's tricky. I know that a lot of us can't really live without it. And you don't want to just completely say like, Oh, we should never eat it. It's so terrible for us. And it's not good for us. And there's definitely ways to enjoy your sweets in what I call moderation, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's moderation for everybody. But on the other hand, it wrecks your immune system. Yes. It is so pro-inflammatory. So back when I was growing up, dessert wasn't, it really just wasn't the thing that it is right Right. now. I mean, it was like on a Saturday night, you would have dessert or at a birthday party, which was once in a blue moon. So when I see all these people just like baking like crazy, I'm like, oh, you know, this is really not what we need right now when we're trying to keep our immune system strong. So I would say, number one, we got to cut back on this baking. Otherwise, you know, make something, give it away, share it, freeze it for another time. That's Um, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, Mm -hmm. and also try and try and make other things, try and have the kids make other things that aren't necessarily baking, you know, share a recipe that you find for dinner and see if they want to make dinner instead of, you know, making brownies all day long. That's what I would say. Yeah. I like those ideas. No. uh, And then, you know, how just to cook for your immune system, what are your kind of go-tos? We're not over this pandemic yet. We still need to be thinking about immune health and immune support. And even though we're all getting back out there, you know, part of it is the food we eat and how we take care of ourselves. So maybe give us, I know we're coming close to time here, but maybe give us like your top three foods for just immune support and things we need to focus on for immune support. I mean, at at the basic level, if if people don't want to remember anything, it's just to eat a wide variety of whole, fresh, plant-based foods. It's really about the vegetables, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. and especially seasonal vegetables. Um, I make sure that my family eats vegetables at least two meals a day, and it's a big part of our meals, whether it's dark green leafy vegetables or just whatever vegetables are in season, and fruits too, but I tend not to like go crazy on the fruit. So vegetables to me are where it's at. And then there are other foods like garlic, which I think are just one of nature's miracle foods. They're super powerful in terms of keeping the immune system strong, being really antibacterial, antiviral, uh, garlic, turmeric, ginger. And there's a lot of beautiful spices that can also keep the immune system strong. But, you know, it also, I also really like to emphasize trying not to 
eat too many packaged foods because those just do the opposite of what we really want to do. And, you know, I'm a big fan of also wild fish, any kind of, if you're going to eat animal protein, make sure that it's pastured or grass fed as opposed Mm -hmm. to conventionally raised. I love all of those. I think those are all great tips. And turmeric, just speaking of that, is like a goat garlic, turmeric, cumin, paprika are kind of like my four go-to spices. Without those, I'm kind of lost. I don't know what to do in the kitchen. You so can those do, are my favorites. They can really take you a lot of different directions. Those are some right. of my absolute favorites as well. Wonderful. Well, this has been so much fun. I do want your book. I'm going to get your book because many of us want quick ways to feed our families or our mm-hmm. friends. And we still want to be healthy and mindful. And I think the gift, I always keep talking about the gift of COVID and the curse of COVID. I think the gift of COVID and the pandemic is it did get everybody back in the kitchen. I think it did reemphasize the beauty and the importance of the family meal. So many people were running around at practices and different, you know, different family members eating at different times. So it kind of brought everyone back together. So I think that was the gift. I think the curse again is to remember, you know, not to stick to comfort foods when we're cooking, to really focus on healthy foods. And all of it's possible when we can stay really well organized and kind of plan ahead like you're thinking. So we need your book to help us navigate that space. So (laughs) if anyone watching today wants to follow up with you or get your book, what's the best way for them to do that? My book is available where most books are, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a lot of uh, local bookstores, but it's really easy to find me, PamelaSalzman.com, and all my social media handles are at Pamela Salzman. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out today to spend with us. It is going to be helpful. And for everybody else, thank you for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness, which remember, we're on Spotify as well. So if you can rate and review it and share it with your friends, we can spread the good word. I'll see you guys next time.